Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, and it is just me and Josh Hunter today. Your worst nightmare. Your worst nightmare. There's no guests to get us through today. It's just us. And it's been a little while, man. It has been a while. Look, I had jury duty. Schedules got busy. We both have full-time jobs. Yeah. This is not, this is not really our full-time, full-time job. job. <laughs> not For those all. of you that actually thought it was. Nope. We don't just- I guess I kind of wish, wish it was sometimes. It would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? To just- your whole job 40 hours a week with, with you. <laughs> not, I would not. Yeah, sign I don't for know. That. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I would either. Well, what is this episode since it's just the two of us? Well, one of the most often questions that we are asked on social media and email is hey, can you put together a list of all of the recommended books from the guests? So we have done that. And you can actually find it. We're going to post it with this uh, podcast episode, and you can find it at leadership.lifeway.com slash unseen books. The list will be all there. And then on top of that, this episode, Josh and I are going to pick our top five each from what guests have shared. And then our two. And then, yeah. So then we're going to do kind of a bonus. Oh, that's a bonus. Yeah, we'll just do a bonus. No, no, you're good. Given given the secret away. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. We are going to share our two favorite books from the past year that we've each read. Now, let's just start by, we both use Goodreads. So if you you haven't used Goodreads, it's an app that tracks what you've read. You can say, you know, wish list. It's a great way to keep up with what you're reading. And kind of a joke that, uh, Josh and I have together is keeping up by the reading challenge. You can set. A it's challenge. not a joke. It's a competition. It's, it's real. <laughs> it's actually real. It's real. <laughs> Two type eights competing against one another. And I'm I'm actually ner- I've I've not checked with you before this episode to see where you are. So we w- was you're your, at forty right now. Was your goal fifty two as well? I put a goal of sixty, but I I set a book a week, so fifty two is kind of. You just don't know. I was many, a little. You don't know how many 60. weeks are in a year. Is that what it is? Well. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> That's it, actually, yeah. So I am at 40 of 52. I have a bad feeling you're ahead of me. I'm at 42. 42. Yeah, I'm at 42. Oh, books. man. Well, there's that. Don't worry. That that should light a fire under you, and you'd probably like read five today yeah. by the end of the day. I'm going to try. I don't know if I'll ever do it again, by the way. A, a book, book a week. A week. It's a lot. You know, when I, I did it last year, and one of the main reasons I hit it was I was reading all of my seminary required mm. reading, and that was very disciplined. Yeah. You had to get through that. Yeah. But it, it, a book a week is hard. But, I mean, we, we the, an episode will be airing next year. Don't worry. If you've been sitting there like, hey, is unseen. And leadership. next year is like two weeks from now, so yeah. don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Not 2021, but 2020. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we actually interviewed John Mark Comer, and our, our goals are 52. How many did he say he reads? 125. 125. So. All that Sabbath thing. If you need a New Year's resolution, there's one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Josh, you ready to, to walk through this? I'm ready. All right. So what we're going to do, we'll, we'll just alternate and we'll get through kind of our together, our top 10. Some of these may overlap. We actually haven't seen each other's lists on this, so this should be pretty fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. So. Let's start with you, Josh. Start with me. Start with you. I'm the one that came in saying I'm the least prepared. You're the least. You want me to start? (laughs) It's fine. Let's do this. All right. You're you're up. All right. So I'm starting with the books that my my list of five, right? I'm not starting with two. Yep. We're going through the list of five and we're pulling our top five from 
books that guests have recommended. Okay, books that guests have recommended. I'm going to go, we actually interviewed, so this is a little bit of a softball toss. I'm going to go to How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Oh, yeah. Clay Scroggins. Boom. It's a great book. It was also a great interview. And I think, I'm trying to remember in the interview, we talked primarily about this, but it wasn't the only thing we talked about. But How to Lead When You're Not in Charge by Clay yeah. Scroggins, great book. Um, I think synopsis of the book, I'm not just going to read it word for word. I want to try to take a guess at my memory here, but leadership often is confused of having titles and position, right? And that's just positional authority, positional leadership. You go all the way back to the godfather of leadership himself, John Maxwell, like that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, right? And so how do you have influence without having positional authority or the question to ask is how do you lead when you're not in charge? So Clay Scroggins outlines that book, um, gives a lot of really practical um, example for those that I'll I'll share with you guys right now, just to give a little highlight, little Cliff Notes version is this. Um, Step one, stop thinking as an employee. Start thinking as an owner. Stop thinking as an employee. Start thinking as an owner. And I'm not going to break down every single point. That one should be pretty, pretty obvious. But when you go to an ownership mindset, it starts getting you to care about the things you need to care about. Um, and you want to care about what the leader cares about. You want to have that influence and that authority that he has without actually having it. And a lot of that is done through thinking as an owner, not an employee. Any thoughts on that? No, I think it was keep rolling. It's great as well. I mean, that book is very much in, you know, most of our listeners are young leaders, probably not the sole person in charge. Um, you probably are reporting to someone else. So if you've been wondering, man, how do I lead up? How do I, I, there's things that I want to help lead with. I think that's a great book to check out. So yep, great one. All right. So for me, uh, this one was referenced very often. And um, that book is The Emotionally Healthy Leader by mm-hmm. Pete Scazzaro. Like that one was mentioned at least it 10 may, times. Yeah, it may be the most <laughs> referenced lot. book. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool. I, I read, I was reading through it with a young leaders group at my church and uh, it started getting mentioned and I was already reading it. So this really covers, I mean, it sets up the inner life of a leader. So it talks about the inner life, the outer life, but how the inner life leads to a healthy outer life. It talks, we talked about the rule of life on this podcast before it talks about that. It talks about Sabbath, how to rest. Uh, and then this, this idea of dealing with your shadow and, uh, Schizero says, I'll just read the quote here. It says your shadow is the accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives and thoughts that while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape your behaviors. And it's somewhat, it's self-leadership. It's saying, I need to understand who I am. What are the shadow pieces of who I am when I lead unhealthily, the things that I'm having to lead through. So that that is a great aspect of this book. It also talks about, as I mentioned, the rule of life, and it actually walks through a, a way to actually build one out. So if you have heard that concept and you're, you're wondering, hey, I've wanted to actually create a rule of life for uh, my life. Uh, Pete Scazzaro walks through that and he kind of uses the idea of a trellis in the vine. There's another great book called The Trellis in the Vine. Um, That's more for (laughs) ministry systems, but he uses it in saying that the rule of life is what you're building your life upon, the structure. And he kind of walks through four different phases of that. So prayer, rest, relationships, and work. And those all lead to loving God. So prayer saying, I am going to Sabbath weekly. I am going to journal regularly. These are things that you're setting up in your life. Rest, um, I'm going to exercise 
take well-planned vacations. One thing uh, I actually wrote in the book here, uh, I'm going to pause my inbox. I mean, yeah. when I'm, when I'm throughout the, uh, the weekend and the evenings and just setting up these cadences, relationships saying, I'm going to be present with these people. I'm going to join in on extended, extended family events, uh, be attentive to your spouse, other friends, whoever it is that you want. And then work. I mean, just saying these are the rules that I want to uh, play by at work, personal development. I want to mentor other people. I want to equip staff. So those type of things, it's a very great book for self leadership. And one, I mean, this, this is my number one, it's the number one that was mentioned on the podcast. If you have not read this book, highly, highly recommend it. So that's my, my first one. No, it's so good too, because I, I, I think a trend that's starting to happen more and more, which is a really good one. What is one of the most important things to have in leadership, like emotional intelligence. And that starts with knowing where you are emotionally mm-hmm. and being able to identify the things and get good patterns of yeah. rest and, and healing. And uh, I think it's a great book to start. Okay. My number two, extreme ownership. Oh yeah. Jocko. Jocko, baby. <laughs> How do you say his, what's his last name? Uh, it's Will, Will something, right? Willink? Willink? Yeah, yeah Willink. Willink. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Jocko, we, we, we've got to get him on the podcast, actually. That could Why be, have we not? That could be a tough draw. I'm actually we'll kind of intimidated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a, he was a Navy SEAL, uh, found himself in a situation where it was called, uh, what was it called? Blue, was it Blue on Blue? Yeah, Blue on Blue, Friendly Fire. Oh, wow. Uh, in a situation there, and uh, one of the SEALs on his team was was killed, I believe, or injured. And so he had to go through this process of self-identification. What went wrong? Right. What was that? <laughs> what went what, wrong? What went wrong during that situation? Um, and see, I just really messed it up. So I'm taking extreme ownership. I made a mistake there. But he had to look at that whole situation and say, where did I make a mistake? And then he got some points or uh, created some points rather of ways to take extreme ownership and find that victory from within. So the first one is to have extreme ownership, right? Take extreme ownership for every decision you make, what you're doing. Don't blame anybody else. Uh, Blame yourself. Um, Not in a bad way, but in a good way. Take extreme ownership for all your decisions. Number two, no bad teams, only bad leaders. Leaders fundamentally decide their team's level of performance, right? Mm. They're the ones that decide their team's level of performance. And under the right leadership, any team can thrive. So it's not about having a bad team. It's about having bad leaders. You have to create clarity and belief. And then finally, number four, to take extreme ownership, you have to manage your ego. Great leaders prioritize the wider mission over their personal ego. And so having any type of blame shifting, I've seen it some in my leadership over the past couple of years. It's been really healthy for me to look at that book and say, man, where can I take extreme ownership in every decision and everything that's happening with my organization? Yeah, I... I I love that book. I was talking with a, someone in our church who is um, active duty military. And we were talking about the the military mindset of leadership and how there's a lot to learn there. And and Mm. Jocko uh, really puts it in a great um, digestible way to learn from. And he actually does consulting on that with organizations as well. Mm. So, I mean, that book is very highly reputable. So check it out. Check it. All right. Number two for me. So this is number three. Yeah. Number three for all. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's going to be hard to keep up with the numbers. We'll get there. Um, Is Garden City by John Mark Mm, Comer. You knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And we may overlap on this one. I think we both really enjoy this book. Um, So Garden City, uh, we, like I said, check out in January, we have John Mark on the podcast. It's going to be a great discussion of his new book. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. But this book, Garden City, um, even on the front cover, it just says work, rest, and the art of being human. 
And it's this idea. So maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you, you've been struggling with this idea of, man, I, I don't enjoy my job. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And, and there's a lot of it that also comes back to the Sabbath and rest of, of the emotionally healthy leader. But Garden City uh, overall really covers a theology of work. And he walks through Genesis and how God's design of work was, was perfect in the garden and how we're moving from an uncultivated garden to a city in Revelation. So Genesis is the garden, Revelation is the city. And in that, uh, let me see if I can find this quote here. All right, here it is. So he says, make something of the world you've been dropped in and saying that God has designed us to create, to cultivate. Mm -hmm. And even he he, uh, quotes Tim Keller and he says, Uh, Tim Keller says, work is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. Um, And in this, I would just, um, I would just say, did I say flourish? You did. And I wasn't going (laughs) to call you out, but you have to keep it on there. I had one. Now you have one. I was, I wasn't going to blast you right here. I was going to blast. I was like, what did I say? So in that, it's it's the idea that we we're meant to cultivate and understanding your calling. I think if if it's something you're wrestling with, is what am what am I placed on this earth to do? Uh, what is God calling me to do? It's this is a great book to check out. So Garden City is my second. It's a great one. I actually don't have Garden City because I just knew you knew I was going to you pick were it. going to have Garden City. I'm going to go to one I read. I might have read this one actually in 2018, but let's just pretend like I read it this well, year. Well, we're just saying top. These are our favorite just top Just top five. 10. Okay, yeah, yeah top five. Um, Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. Yeah. Let me tell you, it's thick. It's a big <laughs> read. It's a big read, but it's worth it. Very, very sharp guy, psychologist. Um wrote this book, Necessary Necessary Endings. I'll read a quote um, on page eight of Necessary Endings. Being alive requires that we sometimes kill off things in which we were once invested, uproot what we previously nurtured, and tear down what we built for an earlier time. Mm -hmm. And so student life camp, we were acquired by Lifeway in 2012, but we stayed in Birmingham for years. And so I lived in Birmingham, Alabama for four years before I moved here last fall. And met Chandler and it blossomed to a great relationship and now we're hosting a podcast together and that's the only reason why we moved. No, <laughs> but we were moved from Birmingham to Nashville to be with Lifeway and yep. be a part of the greater Lifeway team, which was a great move. It was the right move to make, but it was really, really hard for some of our staff, including myself, because it was just a big change. And so this book was recommended to me um, and there's one common factor in every human's life. And there's, there's several different common factors, but there's one that a lot of people don't talk about and it's endings. Mm. Dude, things end. Yep. Maybe one day this podcast will probably end, Most right? Like that. I kind of hope it does. So we're not doing it at eighty. Go, <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, exactly. But things end. But not a lot of people talk about endings. And so this book was really helpful for me to emotionally um, and honestly spiritually process through future endings that I see that will happen in my life. And not that those endings, not that I shouldn't feel sad about endings or I can't feel hurt about some endings, Yeah. but how do I approach it in a healthy way and know that endings are a good thing, not a bad thing. Uh, and this book was, man, it was a really, really good. I would really recommend it for really any transitions in mm-hmm. any part of your life. I think it's a great book to, to read and and get prepared for those endings. That's great. I have not read that one yet, but it's been on my uh, want to read list on Goodreads. Yeah. Um, do you read. have Do you have the want to read list that's like you have some books that you know you should be reading, but you've been avoiding? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Mine's Deep Work by Dude, Cal yes. Newport. Yes, Deep I, Work. I am so scared I to don't read, that read it. I know it's gonna make yeah. me do the thing that I don't want to do with some of my work. Absolutely. Everybody's like, you need to read that book. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't want yeah. to. Any psychology book, I feel like I can. <laughs> so this is going to make me address my emotions. Gosh, no, I, I can't read I this book right now. Yeah. yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, we should we should make an avoid what books we're avoiding to read. Ooh, list. that's a good one. We should at us on Instagram if you want us to do yeah. that one. Yeah, or TikTok. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have TikTok. Don't even. <laughs> All right, my next book is. Uh, a cornerstone for Lifeway. I think everybody here would recommend this book, and it was recommended a lot wow. on the podcast as well. And that is Spiritual Leadership by Jay Oswald Sanders. This is, um, I was going through an internship program here at Lifeway probably five or six years ago. This was required reading that we went through. I was a pastoral resident at a church, and this was required reading there as well. It's incredible. It's such a great book, and it's it lays the foundation of is, is exactly what it says is spiritual leadership, a, a leadership that is fueled by the Holy spirit and not just a worldly leadership. So, um, part of that, part of that, uh, pastoral residency, I actually had to write an article on this book and I'll just, I'm going to read what I wrote here. Cause I think it just encapsulates the book really well. Sanders thoughtfully strips away the notions of selfish ambition and leadership and replaces it with a holy ambition quote, mm. which centers on the glory of God and welfare of the church. He completely captured what God has laid on our hearts. When he said the church needs saints and servants, not leaders. If we forget the priority of service, the entire idea of leadership becomes dangerous. And it's really keeping Christ the center of our leadership and reminding us that we are servant leaders first. Um, and, and it's really just the inner life of a leader, but really the inner spiritual life. And it asks, you know, there's a lot of great questions in this so that it asks, are you a leader or can you become a leader? And um, talking about how can you be a spiritual leader that is full of the Holy Spirit, walks through First Timothy and the spiritual leadership, the qualifications found there. And it even talks about, you know, you were just talking about their kind of the painful side of leadership. It talks about the hard things that you have to navigate as a leader. So just a great book. If you have not read it, I would encourage you to, and maybe, maybe you are leading um, some younger leaders. Maybe you have a residency program. Maybe um, you're developing even students, whatever it might be, college students, high school, middle school students. I would recommend this be a book that you actually walk through with your team and it just allows you to all get on the same page. And it really is the foundation of Christian servant filled leadership. So yeah, really good. I love that book. I, I feel like there's three books and I'm maybe jumping ahead a little bit here, but there's three books and I'm going to talk about one. I, you know, I'm going to save it to the end. I'm going to save it to the end. Save it. And I'll, and I'll the make suspense. that statement. Yeah. So yeah. there's a great suspense coming at the end. A great let's, quote. Let's not forget it. You have to listen to the whole thing and you can't fast forward. Okay. My next one. Let's see here. I want to go with. So gay girl. Good God. Mm. Jackie Hill Perry. If you guys haven't heard of Jackie Hill Perry, highly recommend. She's one of the most yeah. listened to podcast episodes we have. Yes. Oh, so yes, that too. But she also has her own podcast and hasn't been around that long and it's blown up as well. Yeah. Like she's an incredible so person. Um, it was so funny. One of my favorite moments, I'll talk about the book in a second. Um, but one of my favorite moments on the podcast with her was, <laughs> do you remember when I was introducing her? I'm like, Jackie, awesome mom. 
wife, speaker, author, and also a great leader. And she goes, I don't feel I like don't a great feel leader like right now. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> it was so good. But Gay Girl, Good God is really a story about her life. Um, she used to be a lesbian, and she has had to work through same-sex attraction, what the gospel has said about that, and now married to a, a man named Preston, and I think they have two or three kids, I'm not sure, but incredible story that I think a lot of us will be able to relate to in different ways. We all don't have that same background, but there is the same structure in that background that I think we can find our story in, and I would just, I, I just praise her for her vulnerability, for her willingness to talk about her story. Um, she is definitely a linchpin for a lot of good change happening in the leadership world, um, with with women in leadership, and also just with vulnerability and talking about emotions and past and how she's going to shape future and um, honor the Lord by that. My next one is going to be actually a book written by one of our um, guests. And you're looking at, you're trying to catch it. it. It's Gaining by Losing Ah. by J.D. Greer. Now, this book, uh, it it wasn't exactly recommended by J.D., but it is one that has really impacted my ministry and just my thought on church leadership. And this is just a great book that really helps understand the foundation of ministry in your mindset. So one, one quote here, um, it's on page 18 of the book. Uh, he says, as leaders, he's talking about as church leaders, our job is not to gather you. And he's talking about the, the church. It's not to gather you, amaze you and collect your funds. Our job is to help you discover the power and potential of the spirit in you. And he says, I will show you the so-called ordinary believer is the tip of the gospel spear. And it's seeing the church staff less as the ones who do the ministry. And it's more of the equipping of the ministry, which is Ephesians four, um, just bottled up in this book. And and it just walks through, he walks through the different plumb lines that are on there, uh, that they walk through as a staff and is in, in their culture. And he says, every believer is sent. You go from missionary field to missionary and you are a missionary wherever you go. It's been big on my heart. We've, we've walked through this with the life group leaders of our church. So if you have not read this, you're going to want to check it out. Love it. I actually haven't read it. Check it out. I'll check it out. (laughs) Chandler was looking at me when he said that. My next book is Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury. And um, what is his name? Jean Greaves. Yep. Really good book. Really short book. You could read this book, honestly, in probably an hour. Yeah, it's pretty short. Pretty short. But my, and I'll say this is a personal opinion. I think my personal opinion about leadership is that this is the most underrated aspect of leadership that's out there is emotional intelligence. Mm. So this book separates the difference between EQ and IQ. And Chandler, I'm going to admit, I did not know what IQ actually stood for. Do you know? Oh, man, you put me on the spot. Isn't it weird? I- IQ. Um, intelligence? Mm-hmm. Quotient. You got it. Whoa! You got it. I, I didn't know it. I had no clue. One of my team members was like, okay, so we know what EQ is, but what's IQ? And I'm like, I actually have no clue. Like, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm very surprised. I know it's got, got something right. to do with thinking, you yeah. know, not feeling, but yeah. it separates the differences between EQ and IQ and how a leader should lead through EQ. It doesn't mean that IQ is a bad thing, but if we're just thinking our way through people and how to lead people, we're going to miss it as leaders. We have to feel our way through leadership as well. And I would say it's the the quote of the art versus the science of leadership, yeah. right? And so the art of leadership, man, how do I feel what the person across the table from me is feeling? How do I how do I use empathy and put myself into the emotional shoes of somebody else when I'm making fun decisions, sad decisions, hard decisions, all those things. Such a great book, especially for uh, for those of you that that think 
that you don't have great, you're not in touch with your feelings as much, this is a great book to talk through. Lots of fun little grids in there and charts. Totally recommend that you check it out. Once again, self-leadership, understanding yourself as you lead others. Absolutely. So my last of the five, right? I think, yes. Last of the five is Atomic Habits Mm. by James Clear. Mm. Is this one of yours? No, because I knew you would have it. Okay, you just knew me so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this book- It's good. A lot of people have talked about it too. It's really good. And there's a lot of books out there on habits. Um, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Um, There's actually another one that I almost put on my list, uh, The Compound Effect, but Atomic Habits, and I think it just encapsulates so well with research. I think that's a big piece of this book and a lot of great illustrations in this. And it really shows that um, a habit that is regularly practiced is a small, it could look small and easy, but it's a component of the system of compound growth. Mm. And it's the idea of small changes over a long period of time make a huge difference. So, uh, you know, simple way to say it is changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. So as the way, the way I read this is absolutely, this is for uh, personal leadership and understanding. So maybe you're sitting there, you're like, I want to exercise more. I want to read more. Uh, the way I was reading this was how do I want to spend more time with God? I want to create spiritual discipline. So I kind of read it through that lens as well. And there's a lot of great insights in this. And I actually used uh, one of the studies of research in a sermon recently. So we were talking about spending time with God during the Christmas season. And he walks through a study that they did with three different control groups. And it was all about who is able to actually stick with working out. So in this, the first group was the control group and they were given, hey, just track when you work out. So just write down when you actually exercise for 20 minutes uh, a week, how many days. And the second group was uh, the motivation group. The motivation group was given, yes, they should track when they exercise, but they also were given something to read that shared about the benefits of working out. So there was some motivation behind that. So then the third group was um, the intention group. Now with intention, they did those first two things. So they were given something to read. They were going to track when they actually worked out. But there was a third component where they actually wrote, they completed this sentence. During this day, at this time, at this place, I will exercise. So creating a plan to actually do these things. The study came back that the first two groups, it was right around 30 to 35% worked out once one day per week. So they did this over two weeks. So 30 to 35%. The third group of intention who filled out this sentence, 91% worked out one time per each week. So more than double the results of the first two. And the way we kind of use that in the sermon illustration was for us to spend time with the Lord, we need to actually pick a time, pick a place yeah, and yeah. be consistent. And there's, there's so many of those type of stories in this book. And even one of those is the environment and is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. Mm, good. So saying if those around you are very, Josh, if, if we're hanging out a lot and you're dogging me for exercising, I'm probably not going to want to exercise as much. If you're dogging me for spending time in the word, it's, it's not motivation to me. And so much of that, I mean, that is the Christian life. We're meant for community. And it's really cool to see studies that show human behavior reveal God's hand in creation in that. So Atomic Habits. Incredible book, man. 1% better. How do I get 1% better every day? And I guess that's kind of what the compounding effect is too, right? Yep. That book. Yep. 
compound effect. I have another book for you, but yeah, you know. it's it's a add in. I promise when we see Star Wars in a couple nights that I yeah. won't dog you about working out. <laughs> As you consume your large packet of popcorn and uh, yes, diet coke, sp- spend fifty dollars on popcorn and, yeah, and a coke. Exactly. Okay, my next book. I love this book so much. Oh no, I just kind of realized I don't have to choose between two. I actually have one more down, so I'll, I'll put that off. Though, hey, sorry. Okay, so uh, this book is called "The Next Right Thing" by Emily P. Freeman. Yeah, and we still got to get her on. She would be great. Yeah, but I. I I think that Emily would say this book is about making a life, trying to figure out what to do in life, and should be pretty self-explanatory. You just do the next right thing. She talks about the next right thing in, um, in light of the wisdom of Jesus. And in Luke 5, Jesus performs two well-known miracles. He has the, the cleansing of the leper, and then he heals the paralytic. And then in Luke 8, he raises that uh, the daughter from the dead, and I can't remember the guy's name. Jairus, Jairus's daughter, yeah. I think that's his name, Jairus's daughter from the dead. Um, after the miracles, Jesus doesn't like, uh, what, what Emily says is Jesus doesn't hit them with this big truth bomb, right? Like we do this, he does this really cool thing and he, and he hits this huge truth bomb home, but he keeps it pretty simple. And here are the things that he says to them. Um, for the leper, he says, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. And then to the paralyzed man, he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And then to Jairus and his wife, he says, give her something to eat about their daughter. And Emily Pre Freeman thinks, thinks that there's, in fact, an enormous amount of wisdom in these three simple pieces of advices. Rather than a life plan, a clear vision, or a five-year list of goals, the leper, the paralytic, and the daughter were given clear instructions by Jesus about what to do next and only next. Mm. And so this is a great book for anybody, even if you're not in transition, what is the next right thing? I don't know, the next right thing. I just do the next right thing that I'm being called to do in my life. And so great book. You should check it out. Yes. Somebody, uh, an entire podcast was on that. I'm trying to remember who it was, but they were talking about just taking the next step. Yeah. You know, one step at a time. It's so easy to see the big picture and say, well, I want to be there. Well, what are, what's the thing right in front of you? It's not the long-term goal and it's short-term, Yep. which kind of goes back to the, the compound effect and habits. It's like, start small, just be obedient with what God has given you, the parable of talents. So yeah. Yeah. It's good. All right. So those are our top 10 from the guests. Wait, that was my five. Were you wanting to have another? No, no, it's good. It's good. Cause that's 10. We, that's 10. We're yeah. good. We're good. I'm no, good. I know you I'm can't count it. your weeks nope, on Goodreads, but <laughs> what was the other book? Just reference it. You don't the have power to power moments. Power moments. Power moments. Okay. Check it out. So what the power moments? <laughs> I told you, you're not allowed to break it down. So now we're going to move into top two books that we've each read this year um, that were impactful for us that we just want to share with you. So you want to get it started or do you want me to start this one? You start this one. Okay. So I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to start I'll put this one on hold and we'll get back to that one. First one is Team of Rivals. Now, this is a large biography of Abraham Lincoln. So it might scare you. I actually audiobooked this. My wife, she does not agree with me that audiobooks are reading. She would say, I have to clarify that I listen to this book. So I'll I'll clarify this here. I disagree. I disagree with her as well. I but read. I, I do love Allison, but I do disagree. Yeah. I read I, I read listen to this book. So um this this book really covers Abraham's 
Abraham Lincoln's time in the in office. But a part of it is, is it, it quickly moves through his younger years and gets to the election and going into his time in the White House. And a big piece of this, I mean, you can get from the name of the book, Team of Rivals. He, when he was running for president, he, there was a lot of other people in, in the election. So when he was actually elected to be president, he actually added those to his cabinet who were running against him. Mm. And they, they reluctantly said yes. And a lot of them had the plan in mind, hey, if I can just wait this out, I can actually become president the next term or even undermine Lincoln a little bit. And it's this idea of he was comfortable in his own skin to surround himself with great leaders, even though they didn't always see eye to eye, but he knew that was going to be the best team. Just fascinating stories in this um, unbelievably crucial time for our nation. And you learn so many leadership principles from Lincoln. One of my favorites is he would be upset with someone and he would actually sit at his desk and he would write out the letter just describing everything that was, he was frustrated with. Then he would ball up the letter and throw it away. So in his mind, he's like, I got it all out, but there's no need to send this. I'm just balling it up and throwing Mm, it away. mm. Um, That he was a very, he led through stories. He was one of the best storytellers of his time. He led through stories and jokes. So he was able to ease tensions in the room to be able to get a point across through that. But then it also gets into history. I, I, I love history. And it talks about, I mean, of course, when he was assassinated at Ford's theater, I didn't realize there was actually an assassination attempt on him, Andrew Johnson and Seward, which would have totally taken out the entire um, U.S. government, uh, which was the union at the time. And there actually was not anything in place in the Constitution for who would become president at that time. Of course, Abraham was the only one that was assassinated at that time, but just a great book. It's a long book. But if it's something that you are like, hey, I've been wanting to read a biography or I'm, I'm interested in history, it is covering just an incredible period of time in our nation. In a world right now where there's a lot of anxiety and depression and, and stress or trying to figure out emotional health, I love Lincoln and his story because he's actually one of the most anxious presidents. That yeah. talks a lot about his anxiety Absolutely. and how much stress he had and how many hours of sleep he would lose and not a lot of quiet moments in his day during no. that time with the Civil War and trying to, because his whole thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chandler, you know more about it, heal the country, right? He wanted to bring the country back together. Oh, yeah. That was pretty big rhetoric then for him. Yeah. Um, but that brought a lot of anxiety on, but he was still a great leader through that anxiety. And so I think that gives us hope for people that do struggle with anxiety. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think so many people would say, well, that discredits me from being able to lead or to live in what God's called me to. And it's like, no, you can see in Lincoln's life that he dealt with it, but he was still able to lead in that way. Mm, Love it. My book that I'm going to go in and recommend, and this has also been on the podcast. I've read this a couple times now and I'm going through it with my team right now. So it's really fresh, but good to great. I, I'm going to classic. Yeah. Here, I'm going to go ahead and make my statement that I was going to say earlier. I think if there's three books that you read, I think you should read three books every single year, the same three books. I think you need to read good to great. If you're a leader, I would say spiritual leadership. Um, and then the next right thing, because those are just, Mm. those, those books are all really good and where you're at, where you're going and what you're doing. And uh, so good to great though. This is one of those books that I'm going to start committing to read once a year talks about, I'm just going to run through the chapters very, very quickly. And the synopsis of the book is how to take your organization from being just good to great and how good is actually the enemy of great. So good enough is actually a really, really bad statement. We want to get to the point where things are great, where the people are great. The industry may not be great, but our organization is great within the industry. So chapter one talks about good is the enemy of great. 
Chapter two talks about level five leadership and the level five leader is the humble leader. It takes humility plus will and humility is, I don't have to give you a definition to that, but will unwavering resolve to do what must be done. And so how do we do that? How do we have strong personalities with will, but be humble at the same time? I think it's really, really difficult to do and understand. Yeah. Um, chapter three, first who, then what? So get the right people on the bus before you get to the vision. I think that is one of the most used phrases in leadership. It's we got to get the right people, right people on the, on the bus, bus man. And the right seats, right seats, right <laughs> seat on the bus. Good to great. But you know, what's missed a lot. And we talked about this today. What's missed a lot. A big point in that chapter is you have to get the people off the bus, the mm-hmm. wrong people off the bus first. That's good. You can't just pile the right people on the bus. Nobody likes to have that conversation yeah. though, because it is a great, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's painful. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Let's see. Chapter. Necessary endings, right? Ne- yeah. Necessary <laughs> endings. Some people aren't prepared for it, but it might happen. Chapter four, confront the brutal facts. Uh, love the quote. Pick up the rock, look at all the squiggly things underneath it, and just say, what is wrong with our company right now? Here are the brutal facts. Here's where we're at. We literally just did that 30 minutes ago, and so I'm kind of sad little, about it. A little fresh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little fresh right now. I'm hurting. The hedgehog concept, not even going to try to explain it. Google it. It's incredible. Uh, chapter six, a culture of discipline. Chapter seven, technology accelerators. Chapter eight, the flywheel and the doom loop, which is awesome, the flywheel and the doom loop. And then chapter nine, from good to great to built to last. Incredible, incredible book for personal growth as well, not just organizational growth. Really challenged me on a lot of different personal levels. Please, 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 please read this book at some point or another in your leadership journey. That's great. I love that book. It's not good. That's great. great. (laughs) (laughs) And so it begins. (laughs) All right. So the last of my two recommendations that I read um, is Dangerous Calling by Paul Tripp. This is, it it may be a little under the radar. You may not have heard of it before, but Paul Tripp, you've probably seen quotes by him. I mean, he's kind of blown up a little bit, but this book, Dangerous Calling, it it grew out of his own pastoral experience and interaction with with the hundreds of churches that he's worked with. Um, And he he actually wrote on page 12, he said he could not live with not writing it. There was just so much that he wanted to share that he felt about the pastoral office that he wanted to share this. So part one, it really talks about the problem with pastoral culture. And there, uh, I think it's, it's chapter two. It's called Big Theological Brains and Heart Disease. This entire chapter is worth the price of the book. It talks about how we academize. Is that the right word? It's from I, academic. Academize. The word, the idea here is that we take Christianity and make it just head knowledge. So um, it, he talks about this in this chapter. Look, I am all for seminary training, ex- extended education. And I actually just wrapped up my own seminary degree, but I wrote here uh, in, in the margin of the book, I said, let's not study theology with our minds without without it ever affecting our hearts. And it's the mm-hmm. idea of, of the pastoral office of, and just ministry in general. And for us with our relationship with God is for us not to become so heady with knowledge that we lose the awe of God and understanding that it changes our hearts. And that's really what he covers in part two and three. He talks about the dangers um, of pastors becoming almost bored with God and losing mm. losing uh, their awe for God and the danger of, of 
pride of feeling like I've arrived. Now that I've done these things or I lead these people, I've arrived. Yeah. And we never arrive in our spiritual journey. We never arrive in our ministry. God is always yeah. working in us. There's there's always sin in our lives that he's working to, to remove. And this book, I mean, it is just a mirror. I mean, you know, it talks about in James, it talks about scripture as a mirror to see the natural man and see who we are and who God is. I, I just think this is, if you're pursuing ministry, and even if you're not, I think it's just a great book to be reminded uh, of the calling. Um, and man, just pray that we never become bored with God and mm. lose the awe of God. That dog will hunt, Chandler. That good. dog will hunt. I, I don't, I want to be careful of my words here, but I've heard it said before, and I'm not trying to generalize seminary. I've only gone for one semester, but seminary does a great job at preparing the mind for ministry, mm. but sometimes lacks the job of preparing the heart for ministry. Yeah. And so being careful with that, being wise with that ministry is a ton about the heart. Not yeah. a lot of, I mean, a lot about the mind, but less about the mind and more to do with the heart. Right. Yeah. And let me, let me just say a word. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm, I just finished my uh, seminary degree, whoop, whoop, just graduated and you know, it was a grind. <laughs> it definitely was. But let me, let me just give a word of encouragement here. Um, if it's something that you want to pursue, this is my advice, uh, personal advice, make sure that you're serving in a local church, whatever you do, you cannot go to seminary without serving the local body. Mm-hmm. So more than anything, you must be serving your church mm. in some capacity, whether that's a volunteer level. And sometimes as a seminary student, you can feel, talk about arriving, that you, oh, I'm a seminary student. I'm not just a volunteer. I need to be leading something. Man, the best experience I ever had in ministry was stacking chairs at a church plant. And it really reminded me of what ministry was and it's serving. So whatever you do, make sure you're serving your local church. I love it. Before I get to my last one, we're going to solve the problem. Listen up. Okay. Academized. 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 Interesting. Academized. I don't even remember how I pronounced it. I think we said academized. Yeah, that's totally not right. <laughs> Close-ish. Okay, on to the last book. Mine would be, uh, I'm not going to jump into this like really, really heavily because you need to read it on your own, but If You Only Knew by Jamie Ivey. This is one of my favorite interviews as well. And so uh, Chandler knows a lot of this and you guys have, the listeners have probably picked up uh, some of it it with this past year with me, but me on this journey of trying to discover, man, where is my vulnerability? And like actually Brene Brown, a little bit power of vulnerability, but how do I get in touch with my emotions and be vulnerable, be fully known by people around me? Mm. I can't tell you how many times I cried reading this book just because it really felt like Jamie in her story was talking about me and some of my story. I, If you hear me say that and you're like, oh, it's going to make me cry. I'm not going to read it. You're probably the one that needs to read that book <laughs> the most. So I would really encourage you, man, go order on Amazon. Take some time. Read it. It is for everyone. It, just an incredible story of vulnerability. And she's just an incredible person as well. Well, there it is. There is our list of top books of 2019. So maybe... Hopefully we get, we get this uploaded early enough that you can add it to your Christmas list maybe. But here's, here's something cool that we're going to do. Every book that we just referenced, we're going to give away a young leader library. We're going to give it away. Give it away. So one lucky winner will win all of the books that we just referenced. So that's 12 books. No, 14, 14 books. 14 books. 14 books that we're going to give away. Minus power moments. Minus power moments. So what that means, here's, here's the giveaway. All you have to do 
is to share about unseen leadership on Instagram. You can do that in your story. You yep, can do that stories in Stories count. You don't have to. Like, it's great. <laughs> stories do count. Just, no, stories do count. Did I say don't count? They do count. They do count. They do count. Stories, stories count. count. Stories count. Stories post, but make sure you tag unseen leadership. And if you're not following unseen leadership, make sure you're following us on Instagram. And just as we talked about, one of the most asked questions we get is, can we get a running list of recommended books? You can find that at leadership lifeway.com slash unseen books. So hopefully this has been helpful. It's been fun for us. I, lo- I love getting to talk about the books we read. And if you can type that in less than two seconds, you get some other prize. Yes. It's a very long URL. <laughs> It'll be linked in the show notes. Linked, baby. Yeah. So you can reference it there. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Unseen Leadership. It's been a fun year as we launched this podcast. We really do thank you for listening. And if this has been helpful to you, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review and make sure you enter the giveaway. Tag us on Instagram. See ya. See you next year.